Welcome to the Twisted Mirror. It appears I have been sucked into a time vortex and got a little too ambitious with the original story I had planned. It's a beast and it will be a multi-parter. I'm doing a lot of traveling this month and can't record and edit the multiple hours of content and time without compromising quality. However, I do have something for you in the meantime. It's a sneak peek at what's behind the mirror in Twisted Mirror's Patreon. Patrons get bonus content in addition to episodes a week early and multi-part episodes all at once. So please enjoy this preview and I'll be back next month with that big story. As usual, you can find links to socials, Patreon, and merch at twistedmirrorpodcast.com. I am also taking story submissions, which you can submit through the site as well. Finally, if you could please rate and review the show and or share it with other lovers of the macabre, I would greatly appreciate it. Hearing from listeners really fuels my writing. Otherwise, it feels like my stories go out into the abyss. Of course, I see analytics, but numbers don't quite feel as human as hearing from you. Now, truth can be far more terrifying than fiction. This particular case has haunted me ever since I first heard it. Let's go deep into the wilderness, where many a person has entered, never to be seen again. You are now staring into a twisted mirror. Many people seek the solitude of nature as an escape from the hellish frenzy of modern life. Most of us know the dangers that lurk in the woods, wild animals, unpredictable elements, starvation. Being surrounded by the incomprehensible magnitude of snow-capped mountains or letting the angry waves of the ocean crash against you can make you feel so alive and yet so insignificant. It's a comfort in a way to know that when it's just you and the earth, so much of what we stress over doesn't even matter. But out in the quiet forest, there can be a predator lurking, not the wild animals we are taught to expect, but the one from which we seek temporary refuge deep in the wilderness under the rustling leaves and birdsong, our fellow man. This is the story of the disappearance of Stephanie Stewart. You're a fire watcher, and the boss has radioed you to check up on a co-worker, Stephanie. You aren't sure what to expect. It's not like her to miss her morning check-in. Your supervisor tried to call and while someone picked up the phone, they remained silent. Eventually, the phone went off the hook. Your coworker is the responsible type, active and vivacious, but she is a very petite 70-year-old. Maybe she's injured or has fallen ill. As you roll along the dirt road up to the silent cabin in the woods, 
you see her vehicle parked out front. She must be inside. Hopefully this is all a misunderstanding. But your gut tells you otherwise. If she is inside and not answering phone calls or radioing in, something must be stopping her. As you approach the cabin, you call out her name. But there's no response. That's when you notice the blood on the stairs. You rush up and peer inside to see a kettle with boiling water on the stove. You call out again. The cabin isn't very big, and after a quick search of the grounds, you realize that your coworker, Stephanie Stewart, is gone. At 70 years old, Stephanie Stewart, a beloved mother and adventurous spirit, was still lively and independent. This included her 18-year gig as a fire watcher, 13 of which she was stationed at the Athabasca Tower Lookout on the outskirts of Jasper National Park in Alberta, Canada. Known as an active and fearless woman who cycled solo across Canada and climbed Mount Kilimanjaro, the fire-watching assignment was a perfect match for her. Stationed at her post from April to September, Stewart could enjoy the solitude of nature while partaking in a multitude of hobbies, such as tending to the on-site garden, reading, painting, and embroidering. While she did enjoy her leisure activities, Stephanie took her job as a fire watcher seriously. She was known as reliable and always on time for radio or phone check-ins with her supervisor and was well-liked by colleagues. Though the name of the occupation speaks for itself, I'll go a little into what her job entailed as she was on duty the day of her disappearance. The obvious part? Her job was to watch out for signs of potential forest fires, such as plumes of smoke, and to alert the relevant authorities. Fire watchers reside on location. The Athabasca Tower lookout station was just off a dirt road 15 miles outside of the town of Hinton and about 170 miles from the more widely known city of Edmonton. Behind a simple wooden fence was a cabin, ample green space, and the watchtower. The location would be easy to access by anyone with a vehicle, as it was a drive-up cabin, versus some towers that were only accessible on foot. At the time, there was very little in the way of security measures, such as lockable gates, panic buttons, or reinforced doors. Pretty much anyone who arrived could easily walk onto the property. Surrounded by brush and trees, it would also be easy for someone to stalk the property without being spotted. While somewhat remote by virtue of being in a national park, it was not nearly the most remote of the towers, being only three miles from the nearest freeway and attracting visitors who could hike a scenic trail to see the lookout up close. In order to monitor the surrounding woods for fire, Stephanie would strap on a safety harness, exit her cabin, and climb to her post atop the 40-foot-tall watchtower. She would report back to her supervisor via radio or phone during specified check-in times, at least three times per day. This is why it didn't take long for her supervisor to notice something was amiss when Stuart missed her first routine check-in on the morning of August 26, 2006. To add to the strangeness of it all, 
It has been reported that when her supervisor called to check in, the phone had been picked up, but no one verbally responded on the other end. After a few failed attempts, the phone went off the hook. One of her coworkers drove up that dirt road to the quiet cabin and was welcomed to an eerie scene. A kettle of water was left boiling on the stove, and an unspecified amount of blood was found on the cabin steps. Her truck was still parked outside of the cabin, but Stephanie Stewart was nowhere to be found. At 9 a.m., her supervisor sounded the alarm and contacted the Royal Canadian Mountain Police to mount a search. In the isolated wilderness, there is always the risk of animal attacks. Though relatively rare, bears in particular can quickly kill a person and consume a large portion of the remains. Cougars are known to drag their prey away from the scene to a more convenient location. So, of course, the RCMP first sought to determine if this had been the case with Stephanie. A conservation officer with Alberta Fish and Wildlife and an expert in animal attacks visited the scene to look for telltale signs, such as animal prints, tufts of hair, or scat. It was determined that Stephanie had not been confronted by a wild animal. To further add to the mystery and concern, the RCMP discovered several items were missing from her cabin. Two pillows with blue covers, a burgundy bedsheet, a Navajo pattern duvet, and a gold watch. After ruling out the animal attack, RCMP investigators determined that Stephanie was likely the victim of foul play. Stewart had last spoken to family at around 9 p.m. the night before her disappearance, so it is believed that she had disappeared between that time and the morning of August 26th, but the chilling clues left behind seemed to hint to the fact that the perpetrator was on the scene just before her coworker arrived for the wellness check, perhaps arriving just minutes after the perpetrator had left the scene. One haunting clue left behind was the boiling kettle. Boiling water serves as a primitive timer of sorts. Combined with the knowledge that the phone was picked up several times that morning, someone had to have been in that cabin not very long before Stewart's colleague came to check on her. That leads to a few ideas surrounding what may have happened to Stephanie Stewart. One, that she had a guest she was expecting, who may have even arrived the night before, and then things went wrong. This theory is weak, seeing as she had spoken to her family that night and likely would have mentioned such plans. Two, that Stuart started that kettle in the morning to prepare a hot drink or breakfast and was confronted when she stepped outside of her cabin. Three, which can tie into the others, is that she had an uninvited overnight guest. This could have happened the night of the 25th, before anyone noticed something was wrong and while the area around the cabin would have been especially desolate. Could someone with nefarious intentions have showed up to her cabin, attacked and killed her, then used those blankets to move her body, perhaps into their own vehicle? They could have spent some time in her cozy cabin, starting a pot of water the next morning to help themselves to a morning tea or coffee, 
only to be spooked by the check-in phone calls. If you've heard of the Miyazawa family murders, in which an unknown intruder annihilated a family and then proceeded to hang out in their house, eat their food, and use their toilet, this is not dissimilar to how the perpetrator acted in that case. The missing watch could have pointed to theft being a motive, or a crime of opportunity during an attack. On the other hand, if it was on her person, it may have just been a coincidence that it was removed with her. While fit, Stewart was a slight woman at 5 feet 2 inches and 105 pounds. It wouldn't have taken much for a male perpetrator to overpower and subdue her. The Canadian wilderness is vast, and the Jasper National Park, where the watchtower is located, is a whopping 11,000 square kilometers, or 6,835 square miles. We have all heard the horror stories of unhinged mountain men looking for loot who put little value on human life. A warm, isolated cabin with food and a small woman who wouldn't put up too much of a fight would have been tempting for the likes of someone with bad intentions. Or it could have been someone Stephanie recognized or trusted. Someone who didn't raise any alarms when they approached her cabin. Someone she could have seen in passing from a nearby town who had been watching and waiting for the perfect opportunity to pounce. Someone who looked like an innocent hiker pretending to need assistance. After all, a popular manned watchtower would be the place most people would approach if they needed help. No doubt she had seen hikers coming up to admire the watchtower before. In an online article from McLean's magazine, profiling the life of a wildfire lookout, one watcher described how drunk hikers have tried to climb the ladder to their tower, an intimidating and potentially dangerous situation to deal with. Ultimately, Anyone could have walked up to Stewart's cabin or even climbed the tower if they were so brave. There simply wasn't much in the way of security measures considering that these watchers were left alone in such desolate locations. There is only one other theory I can gather from the clues made available that would not involve foul play. While active and healthy, Stephanie was still a senior citizen, and sometimes health can take a sudden turn. I've seen this myself with a very active 70-something-year-old neighbor who died very suddenly. What if on the morning of August 26, Stuart started her kettle on the stove and went about her morning routine? Perhaps she stepped outside, slipped, and hit her head on the steps, or was experiencing signs of a stroke. In either case, she could have been disoriented, confused, and unable to communicate when her supervisor called. Could she have grabbed those items and wandered off into the forest, perhaps in some misguided attempt to rest or seek shelter in the woods? After all, the RCMP reports that they only found her DNA at the cabin. If someone was making themselves comfortable at her place, one would assume law enforcement would have found some of their DNA. While this may be a marginally better fate than murder, it is still a terrifying thought and one that is unlikely. There was a five-day search by ground and air, covering 7,970 hectares around the area. There is always a possibility that they could have missed her, especially if she hid herself well, perhaps scared and confused in her diminished state. 
But again, it seems unlikely. As far as the lack of DNA, perhaps the perpetrator only accosted her outside and entered the cabin very briefly to grab some items. Or they were savvy and did a great job cleaning up after themselves. It could be another reason the pillow and blankets were taken. They used them either to spend the night or during a sexual assault and knew their DNA could be on those items. Ultimately, the RCMP, which has access to far more evidence than me, says it's a homicide. There is very little to go on as far as leads. However, one name is often tied as a potential suspect, Travis Bader. Bader is serving a life sentence for the murders of Lyle and Marie McCann, who were last seen traveling in a motorhome close to Edmonton, Alberta, before it was found burning on July 5, 2010 in Edson. The McCann's bodies were missing from the scene. Eventually, police charged Travis Vader with their murder. Vader was already on their radar for crimes unrelated to the McCann's. With his sketchy history, including ties to arson, a mountain of circumstantial evidence, and later DNA and fingerprint evidence, prosecutors were able to obtain a conviction. People have tried to link Vader to Stewart's disappearance. For one, it is reported he was in the area at the time. He also has demonstrated that he is willing to target senior citizens. Vader has a history of arson and theft. Some speculate the kettle left on the stove was an attempt at an incendiary device that once the water boiled and the kettle overheated, it would burst into flames and take the cabin down with it. And with Stewart's watch being gone, this could point to the theft motive. While not something most would consider remotely worth killing over, if this was a crime of opportunity, Vader may have found that there wasn't much in the cabin of value and took the one thing he deems valuable. Finally, Vader has shown his ability to make bodies disappear as the McCanns have never been found, despite an in-depth investigation. The McCanns' murders took place about four years after Stewart's disappearance. It is possible that Vader hadn't yet perfected his arson tactics, but with so many other ways to start a fire, a boiling kettle is an odd choice with no guarantees that it would actually burn the cabin down. Maybe he was forced to flee by the check-in calls before he could finish the arson job. Or this was the only way he could think of delaying the fire in order to buy time to get far from the scene before foul play would be noticed. It's likely whoever took Stuart did not expect those check-in calls and were interrupted before they could finish whatever they were planning. Ultimately, Bader's involvement is pure speculation with no direct evidence. He certainly fits the profile of someone who could have targeted Stuart, along with a shared geographical location. But that's all there is as of now. Seeing as he still claims he's innocent of murdering the McCanns with much more evidence pointing towards him in that case, it's doubtful he'd ever confess any involvement in Stuart's disappearance. All we have are the haunting final traces of Stephanie Stewart. A boiling kettle, a missing blanket, and pillows, and some blood on the stairs. 
Since the disappearance, measures have been taken to increase security for fire watchers, all which came too late for Stuart. So many years later and the whereabouts of Stephanie Stewart or what transpired in those final hours before her disappearance remains a mystery. Her final resting place may very well be somewhere in the vast woods that she so loved and watched over. Bet MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at Bet MGM. Simply download the Bet MGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C.